Praise the Lord. I'm going to go old school real quick. God is good. Trying to see how many church folks we had up in here. And all the time. I know that's right. Man, oh man. We just had a wonderful weekend with our leadership team. We did our leadership advance and that was an amazing time. And if you're here first time, long time, maybe first time ever, want to welcome you here to Citywide Church. Come on, give God a praise. Amen. We are, we are in an amazing season as a church. God has been doing some amazing things. And you are catching us at a very unique time. And so uh, we want you to know that. Amen. We, we're, we're on the verge. We're days away from closing on our new building. And we have been talking for weeks now about building a legacy for the glory of God. Not for the glory of Lewis, not for the glory of a church's name, but for the sake of the kingdom, amen, that we can do great things. That was a great place. I got a couple of head nods. I saw your head nod, Danny, but, but God can do great things through us. And I, it never ceases to amaze me that God chose us. Let me personalize that, right? It never ceases to amaze me that God chose me. I was telling the first service, I remember when I was a kid, uh, we used to go to these little knickknack shops they used to have around. There was one in Monroe that my father always used to take us to. And besides uh, buying stink bombs, we bought other stuff. <laughs> we, we, we definitely brought a lot of stink bombs from that place. And um, we would put them at the worst times. As there was one time my sister, my sister Judy put one under the carpet on the front of the house. You know, on your porch, you have the, the, the carpet and the, the kind of semi-obligatory foot wiping carpet. She put it there. And um, my dad decided to have the missionaries that were from out of the country come in and pray on the porch. And one of them was just like, Padre Santo! He's and he cracks that thing in the middle of a prayer time. We're just all like, it was terrible. Back on track. So we had this other stuff. They had these little things you could buy and you put them in water and they expand. I remember in particular buying a shark, right? And I was always mesmerized by how much water these things could absorb. I was always mesmerized by rice. Like you put a couple of cups of rice and my dad always taught me, you know, I have one little, you want to have this much water above the rice, stick your finger in, touch the rice. Is it right there? It's good. And then a few minutes later, all the water's gone, right? And I wondered to myself, like, how does rice have this much capacity to hold water? But then likewise, I would say you as a believer have more capacity than you know to obtain the water of the spirit of God. Right? Have you ever seen those microfiber rags that can just, it soaks up 10 times its weight. How? What is it doing? It locks in water. How? Are we ready to lock in the water of the spirit of God over what he's doing in the house? I want to challenge you on the simple topic I've entitled today, Exceedingly and Abundantly. It's going to be a short sermon because I got some stuff to tell y'all. We have another big announcement to make. Praise the Lord. We're going to go three for three. But God has been doing some amazing things. I want to, listen, we've been talking for, for weeks now about building this legacy. And one of the ways that we've been talking about that is we, we did a pledge two weeks ago. We, we preached for four weeks on this idea of sacrificial sowing and what God was calling us to do. And if you're newer here and you're thinking to yourself, churches always talk about money, not this one. You caught us in a very unique time. And, and for four weeks now, or five weeks now, we 
preached on this, we talked about this, and we took our pledge. And here was our goal. We wanted to raise a million dollars above and beyond giving, regular giving, right? And we set out to do that. Now, as we were doing this, I had this verse in my mind and in my heart, Ephesians 3.20. If you've been in church, you've probably heard this before. This is known as the doxology. And it says this in Ephesians 3.20 from the ESV version, the only good Bible. Praise God. I'm kidding. Not to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I love that Paul says to him who is able. Now, Paul, he is the writer of the Holy Spirit, the author of this text. And Paul is a unique character in Scripture in and of itself because Paul is the, we know him as the Apostle Paul. He is a man of God who has built many churches by this time in his, in his career as an apostle, as you would say, or his calling. But in this specific text, it's amazing because Ephesians is a, a different type of book. Ephesians is a theological masterpiece where Paul, while he is in prison in Rome, he begins to write on the, on the grand scheme and plans of God for all of eternity in Christ Jesus for you and for me. He, he kind of takes this 50 million mile view of all of God's mystery of grace, the riches of his mercy, his cosmic plan for the ages that he has in store for you and for me in Christ. This is the prison epistle that Paul writes while he's in prison. And, and these verses, as I said earlier, are the doxology, which, which means like a, a praise. They're, they're, th- these two verses in particular are Paul breaking out in praise based on what he's written prior. And in chapters 1, 2, and 3, Paul talks on some really lofty theological concepts and constructs. Among them being that, that we were without hope. Among them being that God is rich in mercy and that not one of us are saved by our good deeds and not one of us are saved by our own works and not one of us is good enough in any interval of our life or any facet to be able to accomplish our own salvation. But God steps onto the scene of our brokenness. He meets us in the place of our mess. He comes to the place of our absolute need and God meets us there. Oh, somebody give thanks to God. He meets us right there. In Ephesians 2, he talks about we're saved by grace and not by our works. Ephesians 2.10, he says God has a a masterpiece of a life for you. In Ephesians 2.11, he says you were without hope, but God has done a mighty work in your life. Ephesians is this rich theological masterpiece where Paul is touching on this divine relationship between humanity and divinity. And God has seated you in heavenly places. I know it don't feel like that when you're in traffic. (laughs) Norwalk. (laughs) New Haven. (laughs) Right, Stanford. It don't feel like you're in heavenly places when you are upset at your spouse. You don't feel like you're always seated in heavenly places. But I thank God that my reality is not based on my feelings. And I'm grateful that my spiritual place in Christ is not based on my lowest moment in the earth. It's based on God's plan for my life. And that because he is rich in mercy, because he is 
immeasurably rich in grace, he has saved each and every one of us. But something is different about Paul because Paul in Ephesians 3, he breaks out into this praise. Why is Paul so excited about this idea? Heck, as we've been on this legacy project, why are we so excited about what God's doing? What is it that excites you most about what God is doing in the house? It's not for the sake of the name of our church. It's not for the sake of our pastor, because it ain't about me. God might call me somewhere else next year. You don't know. Some of y'all chill. <laughs> I saw a couple of people like, <laughs> but we don't know. What we do know is that God has chosen a bunch of people who were formerly broken to do great things. I love that God is building with the broken. That God can find peace in the pieces. That God can make a masterpiece out of the mess of our lives. That God is able. And Paul knows this all too well because Paul's revelation was steeped in his own situation. Paul's ability to, to communicate this message was that Paul was no stranger to the fact of who Paul was. Paul knows that he used to be Saul of Tarsus. Paul remembers being there when they were stoning Stephen and he encouraged it. Paul remembers breathing murderous threats across the church of Jerusalem. Paul remembers causing thousands of people to flee the city. Paul remembers being him who was imprisoning many women and children and men probably. Paul remembers the chaos in the church he was causing. Paul knows that he was a no good, dirty guy. He understands he was the least of these. And so when he's talking about that he's saved, he's talking about this grace of God. That if God can save a potential mass murderer like Paul, man, God can do a lot through you. If God can redeem Paul who was, who was standing there encouraging the, the murder of Stephen in the book of Acts, then how much more can God do through you? Man, I read, I read this story of Paul and I think to myself, there's hope for me. If there was hope for David and Moses, there's hope for Paul, there's hope for Lewis. So Paul knows full well that he had no business being used by God by the standards of man. As a matter of fact, Paul was on his way to cause more persecution when God called him. Some of you, God ripped you right out of your sinfulness. Some of you, God called you in the midst of your mess. This is why Paul says in Ephesians 3, 8, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, Paul says, I am the chief of all sinners. Paul knew he had this understanding of how broken he was. But simultaneously, he's wrestling with this. I was this broken, but look how much God has done in my life, even though I was a pure mess. And if God can do it through Paul, how much more can God do it through us? And so as we corporately and individually seek to build something greater for the kingdom of God, our past brokenness is not a, dis, a, a type of thing that disqualifies you from the purposes of God. Why is Paul excited? Well, Paul's excited because Paul knows he's a murderer. Why is Burgos excited? I'm excited because I know that I'm just some random kid from two blocks over who spent 25 years living on Colorado Ave who just said yes to Jesus. And that if God can use me, he can use you. And there should be a level of excitement because we're a bunch of nobodies serving somebody who could save anybody. 
That's the God that we're serving. We're building something bigger than ourselves because it never was about ourselves. It's always been about the gospel. It's always been about God. Look at what God has allowed for Paul. How much more can he do for you? Man, Paul, he looks at that. He has no choice to begin to praise God. He says, now him to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. Man, that's good stuff right there. How much more can God do through us? Here's point number one of three, that God's ability to do through you exceeds your ability to think. God's ability, you have not even comprehended what God can do through you. And most people begin to doubt that. Well, I don't know what God can do through me. Many people who overestimate what God can do through you, you shouldn't. You should pull back a little bit and think humbly of yourself. But then the Bible also says that your ability to think doesn't limit God's ability to do. There's some of you who think you are less than, least likely, in God's hands you are most able. You may be nobody, but God says, I, I'm looking for some nobodies. I'm looking for a bunch of people who, who aren't looking for fame because I'm jealous about my name and I want to make sure that I get the glory for what I'm doing. I don't share my glory with men. He's looking for people who are willing to be the nameless, the faceless people who will just push a vision forward that God has put in the earth for this time and the season so that the kingdom of God is blessed in this region. He says to him who is able, God's ability to do exceeds your ability to think. All that God had done to this point in Paul's life was beyond what Paul thought he was worthy of ever, ever doing. Paul was just happy just being saved. He was happy just getting the, the truth revealed to him. He was happy getting, you know, slapped off his horse. He was happy being blinded and set free from his religious spirit. And then God says, I will have a plan and a purpose for your life. Paul says... You could be happy with just grace and salvation, but how much more is there for you? Ask your neighbor, there's more. There's more. There's more. Listen, what can God do through you exceedingly more than you can think or imagine? I want to say that again. Exceedingly more than you can think or imagine. I just feel like I'm in an I'm in a exceedingly abundantly type of season. I remember I was talking to my therapist during um, my sabbatical because they made me go see a therapist after 14 years of ministry. <laughs> I told the board of directors, I'll go see a therapist if you give me five months off, you know? And so, so I, met, I met with her, and I remember we were just talking about my life, and um, I said, you know, the one thing that I haven't, God's done a lot of good stuff, great stuff. But I don't think I've ever seen exceedingly abundantly type stuff. And she was like, oh, okay. Man, that was the week I sold my house, and I saw exceedingly abundantly. And I haven't stopped seeing it since that God just keeps on pouring out, and that God keeps... Beyond what I can think, God does a little bit more. Beyond what I could imagine, God does a little bit more. Can I tell you and take a moment to let you know today, does it matter what your history is? Does it matter what you've done in the past? God can use a broken vessel. That God can use anybody. Our past life, our past sin, like Paul, does not determine your future identity. Thank you, Lord, that who we were before doesn't dictate who we get to be. But Paul, when he first got saved, folks didn't even want to talk to him. They weren't sure if it was a trap. which would be, That was a perfect trap. Like, oh yeah, I'm saved now. Some of you ladies know that. The guy says he's saved now. He trapped. Okay, no, okay. <laughs> listen, listen. 
They wasn't ready, right? Praise the Lord. Some of you men ain't no better. Praise God. But God's ability to do exceeds our ability to think. I thank God that his power is not bound by my thinking. Paul says, I, I, I didn't think that I would do more. But look what God has done. And because I was faithful to God, he did the unthinkable beyond what I could think. It was, wasn't even conceived in my mind to go across the earth, Paul says, to plant churches, to be this missionary, to write these letters. And in the end, Paul never even knew he was writing scripture. He was writing letters, but it was breathed by God. The Holy Spirit there. We serve an exceedingly and abundantly God. And this legacy that God's trying to build, it includes each and every one of us doing our small part to get to exceedingly and abundantly. So number one, God's ability to do exceeds my ability to think. Number two, God's work through you is hinged on his power, not your prayers. And this is tough. For some of y'all, y'all just, I'm going to pray until something happens. Yeah, that's cool. You do that. But when something does happen, it's going to be beyond what you prayed for. Well, how could you say that? Well, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask. That's prayer. I thank God that he's not limited by my prayer life. I thank God that he's not limited by my own words. And some would say, well, then why do we pray about our pledge? And why do we seek God? And why do we pray? Well, we pray to seek intimacy with God, to have conversation with God, for divine alignment in our heart, for revelation and for confirmation. We pray for a very myriad of reasons, but we don't pray on the grounds of trying to get God to do something. Because in the end, when we pray, if we ask God to do exactly what we say every time, then he's not much of a God. He's not much of a God at all. But he's not limited by our prayers. You see, like a door having hinges, the actions of God are hinged not on our prayer life, but on his power. If it's hinged on our prayer life, that's works. If it's hinged on his limitless power, that's grace. See, above what we ask, that's prayer. Paul was glad to get saved, but God did more. Paul was glad to be used, but God did more. Paul was glad to preach, but God imprisoned him. God did more. Philippians, he would say, I'm in prison for Christ. He would say, all the guards in the imperial guard, they know about me and they know about Christ because I'm imprisoned. He would say, many people are preaching the gospel more boldly because I'm imprisoned. And so everything that God did in and through his life, God could do more. You have to have a more mentality with God. And that's not hyper faith, it's basic faith. It's not hyper faith to believe God for more, it's basic faith. If you don't have that belief, then you have a self-esteem issue and you have a worth issue. Right? See, the world tells you, you're not deserving, and that might be true, but God says we're worthy. We're worth it. We are worth it for God. God's work is hinged on his power, not our prayers. And that power, here's the crazy part, it's working within us. Did you hear that verse? According to the power that works within us. It was God's power within us that's causing us to have a dream and a faith for more in God. It's God's power that caused every member of the church who pledged to pledge. It's God's power within us to bring an offering. It was God's power within us to, to latch on to a vision. It was God's power within us to do above what we ask or pray for. It's God. It's not us. 
God's work is not rooted in my prayers. It's rooted in his limitless power. Listen, God's desire over this church is to exceed our expectations in every category. All right, Jose, I'm going to preach to you. I heard your voice. God's desire is to do more than we could ask or imagine. If we think we could raise a million, why not more? If we think we could pay off the building in five years, why not faster? If we think we could raise 1,500 new salvations in two years, why not more? Whatever we think that God is calling us to do, there is more. Why God uses us broken vessels, I will never know. But I'm okay with it. We ain't going nowhere. There's more for you. There's more for me. The infinite power that works within Jesus is working within you. The power of God. This thing that we're doing as a church to build a legacy is so much bigger than we can imagine. We can't stop dreaming as a church. We can't stop sowing as a church. We can't stop growing as a church. We can't stop loving our city. We can't stop impacting our region. We can't stop building unity in the church. We cannot because the the God that we serve is saying, there's so much more. I don't want to get to heaven and be like, God, you see how much I did? He's like, but there was more. I would hate to get to the gates and him be like, man, you did a great job, but there was so much more I had in store for you if you would have stepped out in faith. See, to see them more, it takes some serious faith. Faith in the power that is in you. Faith in Jesus Christ. We can't stop dreaming. There's no boundaries as to what God can do. Ephesians 3.20, not to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power that worked within us. To him be glory in the church and Christ Jesus through all generations. To him. God's work is hinged on his power, not our prayers. Well, why? Why is that? Because our prayers are limited by our thinking. And our thinking is often limited by our experiences. And God says, yeah, boy, what I have for you, no, no eye has seen it and no ear has heard it. What I have for you, you haven't, you haven't seen it before. You can only often, in most cases, you can only crave for that which you've already tasted. Have you ever just had a moment where you started craving some food? Like right now, as I looked at, as, as I looked out amongst the crowd, I began to think of food that I shouldn't eat. I saw, I saw my, my, my fitness coach, JJ, back there, and I thought of, I thought of birria tacos the moment I saw you. Praise God. And I, every time I eat now, I see JJ in the back of my head like, what are you doing, boy? <laughs> but you think about something because you've already tasted it. But here's what God's saying to us. You're thinking about what you already had is not good enough. You need to update Every now and then, I don't know about how the rest of you Android people, but every now and then, (laughs) Apple will send us an update for our software system. And it'll give us a choice to automatically update as we sleep. And it'll say, you have to be plugged into power as you update. And it'll, there's a reason for that. 
The reason it tells you to plug into power is because if you do it when you're not, then one of two things could happen. One, the phone could die. Or two, your phone can think that you're at full power when you're at half power. And you don't want to upgrade when you're half powered. You upgrade at full power. And I feel like the Lord is giving some people some serious ability in this season through faith to, to seriously change your operating system. To believe that he's exceedingly and abundantly, as I close with this thought, he's exceedingly and abundantly. But here's what the verse says in verse 21. To him be glory. To who? Not to you. Not to a person. But to Jesus. To him be glory. Paul has this moment of praise. And this praise is, is rooted in this idea. This idea that God has done exceedingly abundantly more than he can ask or imagine. And so why not praise the Lord based on this? Paul's only response to God's exceeding expectations was that the church in Christ Jesus for all generations should praise his name. That because God exceeds expectations, that we as a body should praise God Beyond what we can even think and imagine. Now, I want to point two things out. Number one, the immediate context of this verse is this. It's that Paul is saying this, because of God's work of salvation, because of God's grace, because of God's power in our lives, that we should praise him exceedingly. But it also gives us a model as humans that when God exceeds expectations beyond asking or thinking, that we as a people group, that we should praise God. And here's my third point for you really quickly, okay? Are you ready? Here, here's point number three. And I want to tell you this, an exceedingly abundant work calls for generational praise. It, it's not just some folks, but that what God's going to do through our children, our children's children, for you, for your children, for your grandchildren, that there is a praise that erupts from you. That from the babies, to the, to the toddlers, to the middle schoolers, to the high schoolers, to the adults, and to you seasoned folks, that there is a praise that comes out of you. That there is a multi-generational praise that arises because of the goodness of God and his ability to exceed our expectations. Now here's something that I want to tell you, that why God chooses people like you and me, I'll never know. We can sit there and theologize it all we want. God does seemingly everything backwards. He sends, he sends Peter, an uneducated man, to Israel, an educated people. And says Paul, an educated man, to the Gentiles who aren't educated at all in the things of the Jewish customs. God does things, it's, as one verse would say, the ways of God are foolishness. The power of God is foolishness. The gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing. It's not going to make sense. But I want to challenge you that in this season, God has used you. And God's use is not like the world's use where it chews you up and spits you out. God's use, it builds you. When he utilizes your life, your body, your work, in him, you're able to accomplish so much more. In him, he restores original intention in your life. In him, he goes and he does the impossible in your life. Man, you might not know that, but today is Reveal Sunday. That's, that's really good, right? 
Let me move this to the side. Today's Reveal Sunday. What are we revealing? We're revealing how much we raised in our pledge. And I want to tell you something. We did not meet our number. We beat our number. That's worth right there just giving God praise. That's worth giving the Lord praise. We set out to raise one million dollars. And by the grace of God, we exceeded that. Put that up for me, River. On the first, on the first weekend and the first offering, we raised 128000 $792 in immediate first-time cash gifts. And needless to say, that is the largest offering our church has ever taken. That's worth giving God praise for. It's worth it. Over the last two weeks, the church has pledged a total you can put that up for me, River. A total of one million, one hundred, two thousand, three hundred. That's worth giving God praise. Come on, Ebony. We might have to praise God here real quick. Come on, that's the grand total. Put that up for me, River. That's the grand total of one million, two hundred. Come on, that's worth giving God praise. Come on, I'm going to give you 30 seconds to praise him. Come on, we magnify him.
tell your neighbor he he he's doing more he's doing so much more maybe some of you can't get excited about an inner city church in the hood being able to raise finances and resources like this but i've seen god do things in one year he hasn't done in 37 years Maybe your church experience has been horrible. Maybe you've been mistreated. Maybe you've been spiritually abused. Maybe you've never known God. I want to challenge you right here, right now. The Lord loves you with all of his heart. And that here at Citywide Church, you're a part of something much bigger. If you would give God the chance and the opportunity, he'll do something great in your life. Come on with every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you and you know that your salvation is not secure, and you know that you're living a life maybe outside of God's will, maybe you've never prayed the prayer, or maybe you've prayed it before, but you've walked away from God. If that's you, I want to challenge you and ask you, would you come to the front in a moment here? If you know that's you, would you do me a favor right from your seat? Would you lift your hand as high as you can? Come on, thank you. As high as you can. Come on, thank you. I see you. Come on, thank you. Yeah, come on, you know it. You feel like, you feel like Paul, that you weren't worthy. But I want to tell you that Jesus says you're worthy. He's able to do some amazing things in your life if you surrender to him. And there are people all around you who are evidence of what God can do through a surrendered life. For some of you, your heart is pounding, your heart is beating, and you don't even want to come to the front. Like, I don't want to take that walk. I've done this before. I see you, sister. I see you. I, I don't want to go up again. I don't want to do that. Can I tell you that that's not the Holy Spirit? It's definitely a spirit, but it ain't the Holy Spirit. That the Lord would say, come, all who are thirsty, all who are weary, I'll give you rest. If that's you, would you take, if you lifted your hand, if you know it's you, you didn't lift your hand out of fear, would you just come right now? We want to take a moment and pray for you. Come on. If that's you, just make your way up. 
Yeah, push your way through your aisle. Come on. Push your way through. That's all right. Come on. That's right. I want to go all in for Jesus. I want to go all in for Jesus. Come on. Come on. I want everything God has for me in this season. Man. Come on. They're still coming. They're still coming. Yeah. Come on. The gospel still works. Come on. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all, above all that we ask or imagine. Now, also, you might be in this room and you know God. And you're seeing the Lord doing exceedingly abundantly work in the life of our church. And you're saying, God, I want that in my house. I want that in my marriage. I want that in my family. We want to pray for you as well today. To believe God. And coming to the front doesn't mean your life is a mess. It, it just means you need more mercy. It means you need more grace. It means you need God's touch. It's a couple steps of faith to say, God, I, 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 I need you to work something out of my life. I want to challenge every person here that God, the Lord, wants to break through in your life exceedingly and abundantly above what you can ask or imagine. In a moment, I'm going to pray. And if that's you, I want you to come down this central aisle. I don't know what miracle you or your family, your wife, your husband need from Jesus, but he's able. Does it matter what anybody said? Does it matter what the doctors say? Does it matter anything? Whatever you need from God, he's able. and as we're worshiping we want to touch and agree that you can break through in our personal lives God and that what you're doing corporately begins to bear fruit individually so Father would you bring them forward steps of faith in Jesus name we pray come on the church say amen if that's you come down that aisle right now don't worry about the line we're going to get through every single one of you to touch and agree